Good morning. I'll start off by praying if uh, you'd all join me in prayer this morning. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that we're uh, here, that we're able to gather together and uh, learn about you and worship you. I just pray that you would use this day to bring everybody here closer to you and use us to just reach those around us. In your name, amen. So, um, we're going to be starting, obviously, with Noah. And if you're able to uh, stand for the reading of uh, the word, I'm going to be reading first from Hebrews 11, uh, 1 through 3, and then 6 through 7. So. <clears throat> now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And we're going to jump all the way to the opposite end of the Bible, into Genesis uh, chapter 6, verse 5, um, where it reads, <clears throat> Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark 
to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself. And it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. You can all take a seat. Now that was a long one. Um, but to start out, we are looking at faith, right? The hall of faith, we hear the term faith used all the time. In fact, if you're like me, um, you probably use it casually without even thinking about what its true meaning is, um, even though you could probably define it if somebody asked you to. Uh, but the implications and the meanings of faith are so deep and far-reaching that to really understand it, um, God gives us examples of men and women with great faith throughout the Bible uh, that we can learn from and really see a deeper example of what faith is. So when we look at the story of Noah and the ark, we're often looking at a really big picture, something huge. The earth is terrible. Uh, it's evil. Every thought of every person was terrible. Uh, and God decided it was best just to start over. And uh, likely all of us, or at least me, uh, we tend to see the state of our world today and compare it to the state of the world back then. Uh, and I find myself constantly listening to the news uh, or reading articles uh, and thinking to myself, thank goodness that God promised not to flood the earth again because we would probably be in for another rinse right about now. Um, and uh, God wants us to look not just at the big global implication of the flood, but I've recently really started looking at what the micro scale uh, of this story is, how it can be applied directly to my life here and now, and how we can uh, look at the, the overarching theme of Noah and the flood, and look not only at the human condition and where mankind is now, but at where we are with our relationship with God. And so for right now, let's take a moment. We're going to look at God's interaction with Noah uh, and with the world and see how it might apply uh, directly to our lives today. So in the whole story of Noah, there is uh, there's ugly stuff, and it's a long story. I read a lot of it already, but it goes on for multiple chapters, and we won't look into everything. Uh, there's a lot that we could unpack. Uh, but we can start by asking a question about what is ugly. Because um, bad is not necessarily ugly. Uh, in fact, a lot of time, bad things look appealing. They look attractive, and it might not repulse us when we see something bad. In fact, uh, we might not even notice it's bad right away, even though something is bad. Uh, and for something to be ugly does not necessarily mean that it is, in fact, bad. Um, in fact, in my experience, Washing something, cleaning something that is good is an ugly activity. Uh, it is not necessarily beautiful to clean something that's filthy. Um, it's springtime, and some of you might be able to relate. Uh, Ashley and I are likely not the only ones here that have chickens. Um, but as we have continued to add to our flock, uh, our flock has continued to give us 
uh, much more than just eggs. Uh, and uh, when we are dealing with our, our coop, our hen house, the run, even our yard, uh, it's ugly. And it needs to be cleaned. It needs to be worked on. And the activity of cleaning it, scraping, scooping, uh, it's ugly. It is an ugly thing. Now, the end result um, is beautiful, you know, clean, lovely. Uh, but it is an ugly, necessary job that needs to be done to get there. Uh, and when we look at the flood, can you imagine how ugly it would have been to be there, not in the safety of the ark? Um, and God doesn't promise that, you know, our lives are going to be easy, clean, or perfect. Uh, and when we give our lives over to the Lord, it's faith that is required to get us through that flooding period to the other side of what's ugly to what's good and what's clean. Um, and we can easily see all the bad in this story. It's pretty apparent from the get-go that uh, the world was the worst that it has ever been. Uh, so bad that God uh, was sorry for ever making man. And that is the only time that God was ever sorry for making something is at this point in the world's history. Uh, every single thought that every single person had on earth was evil and depraved. Uh, people were so immersed in their sin, so consumed by it, that there was no uh, room in their hearts or in their minds for light at all. Um, and the world today is not nearly that bad. It is bad. I mean, the world today is lost. It needs Jesus, and we need to bring it to them. Uh, but the situation in Noah's day was absolutely horrendous. Um, and today, it is the state of our society is shocking, to say the very least. Um, and it is the most anti-Christian, atheistic world that I have ever witnessed uh, in the short time that I've been here. Uh, and the world in Noah's day was worse. And all of us here uh, across the world here, we're gathering in churches, it's evidence right there that it's not as bad. There's actually lots of us, like-minded people seeking the Lord, uh, trying to live our lives the way that God has set out for us. Um, but could you imagine a world where literally everybody all the time was consumed with evil. And not just leaders, not, um, not groups of people, everybody. The men, the women, the children. Um, now, I don't think that our world is that bad yet, but you could argue that we are heading in that direction if we do not involve ourselves uh, in our communities and in those around us. Our culture today, like Noah's, is very anti-God, and it is preoccupied with the flesh. And in, uh, in, uh, in Genesis, it says that Noah walked with God. Now, he did so when no one else was walking with God. Um, not a single soul on earth was walking with the Lord except for Noah. And could you imagine yourself doing that today? Not everybody today... Uh, is as depraved as they were in Noah's. And sometimes we have difficulty walking with the Lord publicly and outwardly. Um, and throughout the Bible, God shows us 
humongous examples of his grace. Uh, cases where he's given second, third, hundredth chances to lots of people who we might think are undeserving. Uh, Jonah knew it, and that's why he did not want to go to Nineveh, because he knew what God was going to do. He was going to forgive his enemies. Uh, God saved Lot and his wife. He had grace for them and brought them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and there's always been evil in the world produced by the, the selfishness and the flesh of human. Uh, and God has always provided redemption for those situations. He has always provided a way uh, out, a way for us to be redeemed. Uh, Noah walked with God and Enoch walked with God. And we're all called, every single one of us, to walk with God into the adversity of this world and live counter to that evil. And when we walk with God, we know that he is right there, always walking with us, ready to help us and lead us in the right direction. Now Noah, <clears throat> right off the bat, God does come to Noah and he, uh, I mean, what does he say? He just says, you know, Noah, we've got a major problem. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to fix it all. You just sit there, relax, enjoy the ride. Um, everything's going to be fine. Uh, no, God rarely ever deals uh, in that way, and he doesn't usually deal in that way with us. He, um, he tells Noah the problem, and then he gives Noah directions. He involves him in the solution, and he doesn't have to do that. God does not require our assistance. He doesn't need us to do anything, but he involves us. He asks us to come and do work for him. Um, and how many times have we all looked at the world today and prayed, Lord, fix this. You've got to fix this. This is terrible. You've got to do something. But then right after that, we go back to our daily lives and assume that that all on its own is enough. And prayer is enough. It is amazing and it's powerful and God will use it. Um, but God tends to enlist the help of those that he has created to accomplish things on earth that he has created for them. God gave us dominion over the earth. And he set us apart from the angels and we are responsible uh, for the earth and responsible to act in accordance with his plan and achieve things for him, for his kingdom. So God calls Noah to action and gives him responsibility and back in Hebrews uh, eleven seven, it says that by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. God put the condemnation of the world on Noah. He put the responsibility to do something on Noah. And in Genesis 6, it does state that Noah was just a man, was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Noah didn't sit around and just talk with God. He got up and he walked with God. He was active. He engaged with God, walking and doing God's will. And there will be times in everybody's life where God's going to call us to action, and likely more often than we think. Um, it might not be a huge action. It's not going to be uh, building an ark to survive a worldwide catastrophe. It might be something huge, but it's likely going to be lots of little things, uh, lots of little acts of faith. Uh, 
And how are we supposed to expect to do large things for God's kingdom if we cannot be faithful in every little, everyday, mundane activity that God calls us to engage in? Um, And there's a lot of good uh, in this story, a lot. Uh, God uh, involves us in his plan, and that is good. Noah was not an idol uh, apathetic person who uh, wasn't listening with God to God, and that's good. Um, and I, I think that for my job, I do a lot of research and development. I have a lot of projects that are going on where we are trying new things. Uh, we've got big um, trials that happen regularly, um, and sometimes I have to step back and look at one and decide for myself: Is this worth continuing? Is it worth saving it? because it's not going great, do I clean this up and walk away, or uh, do I try to salvage it? And it is not just good, but it is great that God did not decide just to throw away everything that he had created, but he decided to create a way uh, to save us. He produced a path for us to follow so that we could be saved. God's goodness and grace and his redemptive nature chose to offer mankind a route to salvation. He didn't just do the work for us and, you know, poof, all the bad men are gone. Noah, you made it. Congratulations. Uh, Here it is. Um, No, God said, here is what I want you to do. This is the path to be saved. Build me an ark. Paint blood over your doorpost. Walk around the city and blow horns. Pick up your cross and follow me. There's always something that God's going to ask us to do to involve us in salvation, in the redemption of our lives and the lives of those around us. Uh, God's requests are likely to sound odd, um, but his goodness is on display then, and it is on display now, and it always will be. But we have to choose to accept it. Noah didn't get to know the outcome when God told him to build. He simply obeyed and he trusted. And imagine, there had never been rain or flooding, nothing like what God was telling him was coming. But Noah trusted him. And it's likely that God has never asked you to have faith at that scale. Maybe he has, but that type of faith is astounding to Trust and believe that God is going to do something, what would just sound unreal, weird, and never before heard of. Um, and yet we still struggle with faith on a small scale for little things that God asks us to do or to trust him on every day. Uh, and there's a lot of excuses for it. I make them all the time that there's no way God was telling me to do that. Um, God will find someone better than me to do it. That can't be for me. Um, that sounds really weird. It can't possibly be from God. Um, well, God's likely going to ask you to do something pretty weird by your standards at some point in your life. Uh, if not once, you know, more than once. Um, when God goes to work on the world, he does it by working on the people that he placed in charge of it. Uh, And that's all of us. And it's not always going to be by conventional means that we're used to or that we enjoy. Um, It can get weird. Um, And knowing, building an ark in the middle of land uh, 
without knowing that there was any water coming for sure probably sounded really, really weird. Um, and another point is that God loves his creation, every bit of it. Uh, and he did not make the decision to flood the earth lightly. Uh, when God gave us dominion over the earth, he told Adam, uh, some of the first things he had Adam do was go out and name the animals and then care for the garden to care for the world. Um, and that theme is continued in Noah. God sends him the animals. He has Noah save them. And there's not really a, a reason to do this other than God wanting us to engage in his creation. God could have saved the animals on his own. He could have started over with brand new animals. Um, he could have done a hundred different things, but he chose to have Noah do it. Um, yeah, chose to involve Noah in the solution to the problem. He puts the onus on Noah to build the ark and to save his family, and Noah obeyed. Noah, out of faith, saved the animals and provided food for himself and the animals and shelter from the storm. And God wants us to care for his creation and culture, uh, cultivate it and nurture it, yes. Not just the animals and the land, but the people around us. And Noah cared for his family by providing for them. Uh, God called him to provide for them, and Noah obeyed God. He provided them with shelter. He provided them with safety. Um, and we need to look at those around us and remember God's redemptive nature, that God saved Noah from the sins of the world, and he saved us from the sins of our flesh. And he doesn't have to, but he chooses to use us to do that. And he will never flood the earth again. But the Lord can flood us personally and wash out all the parts of our lives that need to go. That are keeping us apart from him. And it might seem like there are times in your life where everything comfortable, uh, everything familiar is being washed away. But God always gives us directions on how to stay close to him and how to allow him the time and the ability to rinse out and clean our lives up. If we have enough faith to take that first step and build an ark, get inside and trust in God, he will do amazing things with us. And like we saw with Noah's amazing faith without being given the whole plan, we see God's amazing faithfulness. He saved Noah and established a new covenant with him. Noah lived 600 years in a world full of evil. Then everything he knew, his home, his land, everything that he had been comfortable with was washed away. It was gone and he remained faithful to God, sitting in a dark boat, bobbing around on an endless ocean in the middle of a storm, trusting God. And on Noah's 601st year, God gave him that fresh, cleaned earth for him to start over. And God has made covenants with uh, people in the Bible other than this one, but the covenant that God makes with Noah and all the creatures on the ark with him was one of the most spectacular covenants God has ever made with man and with animals. And it is the only one that I'm aware of that is marked by a natural phenomenon that is visible to us 
and to everyone, whether you are a Christian or not, everyone gets to see a rainbow in the sky reminding us that God has made a covenant with us to be faithful to us, whether we are to him or not, that he will always provide a way to redeem us and to redeem the world through us. And all we have to do is follow. We need to obey and have faith when the Lord calls us to action. So, my question before I close, and I'm making it short because I know everybody's probably hungry and the kids are getting antsy. And um, a big question is, where is God asking you to have faith today? Because uh, we, we can sit there and we can look out and we can be uh, concerned with all that's going on and we can be overwhelmed by it. But today, in front of you right now, where is God calling you to have faith? Let's pray. And Lord, I do just thank you for this opportunity that we have had this morning to, um, to just be with you, to, to seek you, and to uh, be receptive to what you have to say to us. I just pray that you would continue to, uh, to show us your will and to speak clearly to us in, uh, in ways that we can uh, understand and that you would point us towards uh, your will in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And that we would just have the faith to, to reach out and take your hand and walk with you. In your name, amen.